and oh so mellow Try to remember the kind of September When grass was green and grain was yellow Try to remember the kind of September When you were a tender and cattle fellow Try to remember and if you remember then follow Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, March 2nd, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, we're not going to do any uh, banter at the top of today's show as we're going to get right into the sad news of the passing of legendary composer Harvey Schmidt. He met his longtime collaborator Tom Jones while students at the University of Texas. And their first show, the first complete show that they wrote together was called The Fantastics, and it opened off Broadway in 1960 and didn't close, despite what any enterprising producers might tell you, until 2002, making it the longest-running musical in the world. Their first Broadway show was 110 in the Shade, based on the book The Rainmaker. Schmidt was nominated for his first Tony Award for the show in 1964. The revival in 2007 starred Audra McDonald, Steve Kazee, and John Collum, and was nominated for Best Revival. The pair of Jones and Schmidt also wrote the two-hander musical I Do, I Do, which earned them, uh, which earned them both, uh, which I well, it earned Schmidt a pair of Tony nominations in 1967. Ironically, similarly to The Fantastics, a production of I Do, I Do ran continuously in Minneapolis with the same two actors. It's a two-person show. The same two actors for 22 straight years. Now, Schmidt and Jones generally focused on writing smaller musicals, often in ways that pushed or even broke the form, including things like Celebration, Philemon, Colette Collage, Grover's Corner, uh, and an Our Town musical adaptation, and more. In 1992, Jones and Schmidt received the Tony Honor for Excellence in the Theater, and last year the York Theater Company presented them with the 2017 Oscar Hammerstein Award for Lifetime Achievement in Musical Theater. Harvey Schmidt died in his home in Texas. He was 88 years old. Now, James Harvey was a guest on This Week on Broadway uh, almost five years ago, four and a half, five years ago. We will have that interview in the show notes if anybody wants to listen. You also spoke to Peter Felicia yesterday about Schmidt's passing, and that little two or three minute conversation will air at the end of this episode. But We've talked about the Fantastics a lot on uh, on today on Broadway, including, I think, either yesterday or earlier this week. I think we mentioned it. But uh, I'm just curious in your years of theater going, uh, Schmidt didn't always live in New York, but I'm interested to hear if you have any particular thoughts on the passing of Harvey Schmidt. Uh, Harvey, uh, aside from the uh uh, a couple of times that we spoke to him on Broadway radio, I had the opportunity to uh, to meet him and actually perform for him. Uh, it's just, I don't know what to say about this man that the entire community is in mourning over his, over the loss of him because uh, the words that keep on popping up are generous uh, the words are loving. The words are giving, um, uh, and I think that this is uh, this is a man who touched so many so deeply in the in the Broadway community uh, that uh, that we all mourn 
this this tremendous loss. Uh, I, I spoke to Peter, as you mentioned, for uh, a minute or so. We're going to play it at the end here, and uh, Peter's got a wonderful remembrance of Harvey as well. So uh, uh, yeah. stay tuned for that. Yeah. All right. What do we have in the show and casting notes? All right. I've got a lot of uh, fairly small things, but if you want to talk about any of them, just jump in as always, James. So first off, over the last few days, the second stage has announced a number of new cast members to the Tracy Letts written Lila Nugabauer directed New York premiere of Mary Page Marlowe. We already talked about the incredible Tatiana Maslany leading the company. But since Tony winner Blair Brown currently on Broadway in The Parisian Woman, I, I always say Parisian woman, but I want to say Parisian because I feel fancier when I say it that way. Um, also in the cast will be Emma Gear and Susan Poifar, uh, Porfar, um, and uh, the that show is going to begin its run at the Tony Kaiser Theater on June 19th of this summer. And speaking of off-Broadway New York premieres yesterday, the York Theater Company announced that they would present the first Big Apple production of Bill Russell and Janet Hood's Unexpected Joy. Amy Anders Corcoran will direct, and the show will begin performances on April 24th and is currently scheduled to run through May 20th. According to Press Notes, Unexpected Joy is the story of three generations of female singers, long-held family tensions, and a week together where change is in the air. In modern-day Cape Cod, Joy, a baby boomer and proud hippie, is holding a memorial concert for the other half of her pop- popular musical duo, Jump and Joy. When, they're tightly, uh, when her tightly wound conservative daughter and her sweet, rebellious granddaughter arrive from Oklahoma, the sparks fly as one family seeks to find the common ground in their different values, dreams, and goals. The show will incorporate folk rock pop and blues in the score um i'm looking forward to this uh, I, uh bill russell was one of the writers not the nba legendary basketball player but bill russell was the uh the, the one of the writers behind sideshow so uh anytime you can get a new musical from from him is fantastic sideshow is one of those things that i think everybody loves and those of us in the theater community can't understand why it never catches on but it's a it's a great cast album to listen to nonetheless. And yet another off-Broadway New York premiere. Yesterday we learned that Adam Rapp's play The Edge of Our Bodies will have its first New York production at 59 East 59th. The show is currently scheduled to begin on April 4th for a limited engagement through April 22nd. The show, which follows 16-year-old Bernadette, an aspiring short story writer teetering on the verge of adulthood as she begins uh, journeying through her life in New York, had a uh, production in Chicago previously and the cast will feature Carolyn Malloy, who did the show in in Chicago and one more actor will be announced to complete the cast. Next, yesterday, The Vineyard extended Jordan Harrison's new play, The Amateurs, for two extra weeks. It will now play through March 29th. This is the show that Natalie discussed earlier in the week about a medieval traveling theater troupe that I found quite humorous just on you know, principle alone. The New York Times did make it a critic's pick as well, so if you're interested, check that one out. And now finally, James, in this section, on Thursday, we learned the complete cast for theater for the new city's production of Charles Bush's The Confession of Lily Dare. The show, which is scheduled to begin performances on April 4th, will be directed by Bush's longtime collaborator, Carl Andrus, and will star Nancy Anderson, uh, Christopher Borg, Kendall Sparks, the great Howard McGillan, and in her eighth Bush and Andrus production, Jennifer Van Dyke. 
played against the gaudy tapestry of turn of the century California's notorious Barbary Coast. The confession of Lily Dare tells the story of one woman's tumultuous passage passage from convent girl to glittering cabaret chanteuse to infamous madam of a string of brothels. Now, James, I honestly don't know that I've ever heard a string of words that more screamed Charles Bush in my life. (laughs) I mean, you have a you have you have a convent, you have cabaret chanteuses, you have brothels. Unless unless you can say tell me somebody's in drag in this, I I think it's perfectly Charles Bush. I, I can't. I can't disagree, and that's very funny. As soon as you said it, it, I, it was one of those dawning moments. Of course, that's you are correct. Yeah, no one else could have written this play. <laughs> no one. All right. Uh, how, you know, on any other day, this next story <laughs> would have been the top story. In fact, we could have made a special episode of this. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. It's pretty thin, but maybe. Well, you know, I think we could do a week of it. You know, <laughs> we should, probably could. Could we could dreamcast a lot of stuff? Audrey McDonald teases a Broadway return. Yeah, it's it's a tease, and even tease is a little generous. Mm. But Audrey McDonald is currently on a national tour, uh, doing stops all across the country, and she's getting ready to do one in Atlanta. And recently, she spoke with the Atlanta Journal Constitution about. Her busy career on tour, being a cast member on the CBS streaming all access services, uh, The Good Fight, and everything else she's got going on in her life, like her new baby. Uh, One of the questions that the uh, writer for the AJC, um, Melissa Ruggieri, uh, wrote or asked her was after Shuffle Along and and uh, Lady Day. Isn't it about time for her to get back on the Broadway stage? And Audra laughed and and she said that she is ready. She said, quote, I don't like to talk about anything too early, but yes, for sure. Now, you can parse this and say that, yes, the most awarded and decorated person in the history of musical theater will be back on Broadway eventually. Or you can take the glass half full side and say, there's something in the works and she's just not allowed to talk about it yet. Of course, we know the late great Michael Riedel, and I'm going to speak of him as if he's dead because I'm never going to listen to his radio show. The late great Michael Riedel did report that Scott Rudin would really like for her to take over as Dolly at some point. So maybe that's it. Maybe she's got something else going on. But because of the sad news with Harvey Schmidt today, James, I am choosing to believe that his former leading lady from 110 in the Shade will be back on Broadway soon in a project that she can just not yet name. I think that she'll do for a week of Tufuque in uh, the band's visit. <laughs> is that how you say it? Or is it Tufique? Tufique. You're right. Tufique. I don't, I don't <laughs> know. Like, like I'm really someone to be correcting somebody on a uh, name pronunciations, <laughs> but that's interesting. Okay. But you talk about this and we you know, I'll, I'll talk about it here, but we're not reporting it on Broadway world, but Michael Paulson tweeted out, um, some information about that, and I. This is just off the cuff, so I don't have the exact names in front of me. But apparently, the actor who played Tufik in the movie version of the band's visit told an Israeli television station that he is going to be coming in to take over the role at some point uh, in the musical version. Now, that has not been confirmed by the, the the Broadway production, and I've heard that that's it's not confirmed because it's not 
for sure happening. But I did want to point that out since you brought up uh, this weirdness that's going on with that role. Michael Paulson t- tweeted it out, so I feel comfortable talking about it. Paulson says uh, Darush Kashani assumes the role tonight. Meanwhile, Sasan Gabli, G-A-B-A-I, oh. goodbye. Uh, Sasan Gabai, who originated the fi- the role on film, tells re- tells Israeli media that he will replace in summer. Huh. Hmm. So, it's a little summer. weird. I, I think there's some. I, I feel like there's some gears that need to be, you know, worked out there. There's some moving parts that haven't exactly been, you know, put in place yet. It feels like something's not exactly right here. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've lost my place in the script. There it is. Oh, recommendation section. All right. We've got we've got some recommendations and I we, we've still got to hear from Peter Felicia on Harvey Schmidt. So I won't take too long on these. But the first one is the, it's it's a Thursday slash Friday uh, in February. So that means that Frozen is releasing new audio, one of the new songs from the stage adaptation of the film. And this one is the audio from the new song. What do you know about love? It is a song sung by our friend Patty Murin and Jelani Aladdin uh, or Aladdin. It might be, I think it's Jelani Aladdin. Um, but anyway, it's uh, Anna and Kristoff singing. This is one of the things where they just kind of meet and they're trekking up the mountain rather than that being chased by wolves and jumping on the sled thing. This is kind of how they do that in musical form. It's a catchy song. There is a little section to me that sounded very much like something in Rocky horror. I can't place it exactly, but just a little, a few notes, like maybe a bar or two um, sounds very uh, uh, Rocky horror to me. So if someone can, if someone hears that as well, let me know. Cause I can't place it just having listened to it. But other than that, it's great. It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing that later this month. <sighs> and this one, I'm going to, I'm going to mention it just because I feel like I'm obligated to, but the next, the second episode of Jordan Roth's web series. I don't know. The birds in the BS um, <laughs> was released and it featured none other than an animated Sutton Foster. I I can't bring myself to watch it, James. I just <laughs> I just can't. Anyway, so that's in the link. That's in the notes if you want. It. I just no. I I love Jordan Roth. I love Sutton Foster. But there's just something about this. This is just I like weird things, but this is just too weird for me. It's I, it makes me uncomfortable, and I don't I don't like uncomfortable. But. Anyway, something that was not uncomfortable. Uh, it was actually a lot of fun. Yesterday, the cast of Escape to Margaritaville was on NBC's The Today Show. And, you know, I've heard a lot of good things about this show. I've heard a lot of not so good things about this show. But I'll tell you, the the performances that they did on The Today Show were a lot of fun. The first one was Andre Ward uh, leading the entire company with the song Volcano. You know, I don't know. I don't know. That was just that had the perfect goofy, self-aware, schlocky tone for that performance that you would have to do for a you know, trunk, uh, Jimmy Buffett trunk song or trunk show. So I, I loved that. The other performance was uh, a kind of a, a medley or two song medley of a pirate looks at 40 in one particular harbor. Paul Alexander Nolan and Allison Leff led the company on those. So uh, this is one of those shows, James, that I think a lot of people are going to hate. A lot of people that we are friends with are going to <laughs> hate because it is not I, I'm I'm just going to, again, I haven't seen it. 
but I'm just saying it's probably not the most artistically high minded show that's going to be on Broadway this season. But I think it's also going to have a ton of people loving the show and coming to it because it just is looks so fun and so goofy. So I really enjoyed those uh, those performances and we'll have links in the show notes as well. A lot of our friends we thought were going to hate SpongeBob. Fair. That's very fair. And a lot of our friends loved, loved Sponge- SpongeBob. Including loved me. it. And I, yeah. I, I really thought SpongeBob was going to be a tremendous disaster train yeah, wreck. We talked about it. Yeah. And yeah. And I liked it. So uh, hopefully we'll be pleasantly surprised again. Hey, uh, not in the script, but um, didn't we talk uh, in the last uh, month or so that there was going to be no uh, changes made to Carousel? Well, we didn't. Scott Rudin did. Um, but yeah. <laughs> no, no. So, no uh, certainly we don't have that yes. decision-making capability yet. Yet. We will. <laughs> um, if anybody wants to invest in shows we produce, let us know. We can come up with something. But yeah, the um, the first preview performance of Carousel happened on Wednesday night. And as Scott Rudin said in the New York Times, they were not going to be changing the show at all other than maybe one or one little thing that was a slight nod to the fact that Billy Bigelow, Joshua Henry is an African-American reports. And I hesitate to talk about this just because it's was a first preview. I mean, I wasn't there, but reports are that there was some substantial cutting to both book and score. Mm-hmm. Now, some of those could have just been someone went up on their lines and they went ahead a little bit. I mean, granted, it was in the most famous scene from the show and cut out probably the most controversial line. So I hesitate to think that it was an accident. But, yeah, I, I, I want to wait. I want to because I have thoughts on. This. Yeah, I have lots of thoughts on this, but I want to wait to hear if, so, you know, what yeah. happens. Absolutely. But not, it was I'm, weird. I, I, I would like to hear from our listeners what your thoughts on this topic of uh of carousel is i we i've already received uh a number of messages from uh listeners uh before last before la- uh last night's first preview uh about things that we've said about carousel some of them uh not so happy with me and that's okay you don't have to agree with me um so uh, I would like to hear from listeners. So uh, if you are so inclined and have a position on the Carousel uh, revival, uh, please email us or tweet at us or Facebook us or any of the many different ways to get in touch with us because I'm interested to hear what the opinion is for everybody out there. James, would you know when you go and see Carousel yet? I uh, didn't get my Carousel invite yet. Usually, usually what... You- the rule of thumb that when I'm planning out my schedule is is opening night plus five days. That's okay. that's usually my my schedule. So Carousel opens April twelfth, so I'll probably see it between April, you know, thirteenth and nineteenth or something like that. Okay, yeah, because this is one of those that has a we we noted that it was a an oddly long preview period for a revival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be I'll be seeing it on the twentieth, so I'll. Uh, I'll have a little bit more insight, oh. and I'm paying for a ticket. So uh, you're going on the twentieth. Uh, it's a possibility. Well, well, we'll see when the invites. This is Scott Rudin show. We might not be invited. Well, no, it's it's March March twentieth. So I don't think it won't be oh. open by then. Oh, 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 you're going before the opening. 
Yeah, before oh, the opening. That's right. Your it's your trip to New York is very very soon. Yes, a little over two weeks. Yeah. So, so yeah, it'll be interesting. But like yeah, like I said, I have some thoughts, but it's it's hard for me to feel comfortable discussing them publicly yeah. based yeah, yeah. just on a first preview message oh, no. board posting. No, no. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to do that. you know, we, we leave that for the, the realm of the message board. <laughs> oh, and trust me, there were lots of thoughts on the message boards. <laughs> All right. So as I mentioned, uh, I talked for, uh, really just about a minute with, uh, Peter Felicia about Harvey Schmidt. So here it is. Peter, thanks for uh, taking time to jump on with us here. Uh, today we heard the news of Harvey Schmidt's passing, and I wanted to see if you had a few words to say. Well, not only was he a great composer and a unique composer, nobody had a sound as Harvey Schmidt did when he was writing in the style with which he was most happy, that being the style of the Fantastics or Celebration. But uh, I have to say he was a lovely man, too. And one of my prized possessions, literally framed in my apartment, is a piece of cardboard on which he wrote, uh, Merry Christmas, Peter Felicia, Harvey Schmidt. Um, And uh, it was to encase a record that he had sent of um, movie songs that he had recorded just for his own pleasure and he sent it out as a Christmas gift and while I play the record from time to time it's the uh, actual cardboard that I see much more often and appreciate. You know the other thing though, when he had to write for Broadway, I mean really write a Broadway musical, not in the style with which he was uh, inclined to write, he did superb work. The first one of course was 110 in the Shade, which was unappreciated at the time because it was a gentle little show. Oh, it ran um, nine months maybe and it went on tour and it made its money back for producer David Merrick, but it didn't become a classic for a long, long time and certainly the Audrey McDonald revival directed by Lonnie Price helped that along but those of us who knew the cast album were really very much in love with the score from day one. The second show that he did that was very Broadway was I Do, I Do with Robert Preston and Mary Martin, not necessarily in that order, but um, Um, The thing about that one is that I dare say there has never been an original cast album that represents a show so incorrectly as the original cast album of I Do, I Do, which sounds so delicate. This story about marriage sounds delicate, but if you were to hear a sound system taping, especially one made in Boston, it was a razzmatazz musical comedy, and Harvey Schmidt was up to the occasion, writing such real show-stopping numbers as Flaming Agnes for Mary Martin, and uh, a well-known fact for Robert Preston. So here's a man who could do quite a bit, and um, while we haven't seen him for a long time. I'm very glad he was able to make the York uh, benefit in his honor, um, Tom Jones' honor, too, his longtime collaborator. Very glad that they um, honored him and he was able to come up for one last uh, time in New York City as people acknowledge what a great man he was. The real tragedy is that uh, he did a musical version with Tom Jones of Our Town called Grover's Corners, which, in fact, Mary Martin was going to do, but she died. And... Um, when you think of what an odd play our town is, what sound would be better for it than Harvey Schmidt's? Nobody else would be as right for it. And unfortunately, the right expired. It didn't get on. And supposedly it won't get on. But we're hoping that um, this news today will make the Thornton Wilder estate be a little more lenient and let it happen because Grover's Corners certainly deserves to be heard. And I hope it happens sooner rather than later. When the moon was young, 
When the month was May, when the stage was hung. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt. And subscribe to something like a pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Apparently today, the New York Post will publish the late, great, aforementioned Michael Riedel's final theater column. I mean, we were kind of hoping that it would have been posted before we ended this episode, but it's an end of an era, both for the Post and for our show. So uh, Godspeed, Mr. Riedel. My name is James Marino <laughs> from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. I think that we could probably get the Riedel on here to talk uh, just for a minute. And, from the grave? Uh, yeah, from the grave. Directly from the grave. Uh, Sunday, this week on Broadway, there is something happening, but I don't really remember. Oh, Jan, Jan Simpson's going to be with us on Sunday. Oh, great. Jan is going to be with Michael and me. Peter is in Cincinnati uh, doing something at CCM. Uh, if he can get out in the uh, alleged snowstorm that's happening. So, Bomb the uh, Genesis. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then Monday, Matt and I will be back in your ears to tell you what happened. Maybe we'll have a, a, a read will wrap up then. Every secret prayer